0: God bless you, choir. You may be seated. Good to see everybody here on this Easter Sunday morning. Thank you for joining us today. I want to start by telling you, I've told it a million times here, so you've already heard it. Just laugh anyway. I'll Tell you my favorite Easter joke. Um, this family went on vacation to Israel. A man took his family on vacation. He took his mother-in-law with him he didn't really get along well with his mother-in-law at all but he decided to take her with him on this vacation well while they're over there and they're on tour something terrible happens and his mother-in-law who he didn't really like died while they were in Israel and so they were trying to make arrangements and the tourist company came to him and said look we don't know if you know this or not but with the package that you bought if there's any tragic event that takes place uh we will bury them right here in Israel. We'll cover all the cost, the funeral, the casket, the tomb, everything. You don't have to do anything. The man said, no, sir. He said, we're taking my mother-in-law home. And they said, well, sir, it could save you tens of thousands of dollars. He said, nope. He said, I don't care what it costs. You arrange the airfare. You do whatever you got to do. And so they started crunching the numbers, and it was thousands and thousands of dollars. And so finally... Uh, the the tourist director looked at me and said, Sir, I just want you to know I I commend you. I've never seen anybody that had so much love for their mother-in-law to be willing to do this. He said, Well, if I'm being honest with you, it's not love at all. He said, I heard that 2,000 years ago a man died and they buried him here. He got raised from the dead, and I am not willing to take that chance. (laughs) I am not willing to take that chance. So I hope you love your mother-in-law a little bit more than than that man loved his mother-in-law. I'm not willing to take that chance, amen. Good to see you today on Easter Sunday. Man, aren't you glad we have a picture-perfect day outside? Amen. And I want to also say, I would be remiss if we didn't mention this, I'm so thankful We could come and worship in our country, and we can celebrate the resurrection. I don't know if you've been watching the news. There were some church bombings in Sri Lanka today, and last time I saw, over 200 people were killed in several church bombings. Just people going to worship on Easter Sunday. And so, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, before we jump in, why don't we have a word of prayer for those families? Could we do that? Let's pray for our brothers and sisters in sri lanka and anywhere else that something tragic could take place on this day that ought to be a celebration why don't we pray for them right now can we do that father in the name of jesus lord we just want you know we we recognize how blessed we are and we are so thankful for the freedom that we have to worship but right now god i pray for those families uh those brothers and sisters those people that have lost children and parents They just went to worship, and God, I just pray that you would comfort them. This is unspeakable, and I can't imagine the pain that they have right now. We just ask you to touch our brothers and sisters all around the world that are being persecuted for your name's sake, and we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. We're blessed. We're blessed, aren't we? All right. Well, I'm the only thing standing between some of you and Easter eggs and candy and and dinner with your family. So let's just jump right in. I want to thank you for being here with us on this beautiful Easter. Thank you for coming. If you're not a member of Life Church, we're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy your time with us. We have a petting zoo outside today, right after service, and an Easter egg hunt. And as a way of just saying thank you for being with us today, and also as a way to love your children. By the way, we have a great children's ministry here at Life Church. Amen. That's good. If you're looking for a good church home, we would love to ask you to just prayerfully consider Life Church. We'd love to have you here. Let's go to our text today, Mark chapter 16 verse 1. There's a lot of special people here today, but I just want to give a special shout out to Gloria Hicks up on that second row. Gloria, I love you. It's good to see you. I can't I can't wait to hug your neck after church. It's very kind of you. I love you. Thank you. Mark chapter 16 and verse 1. It says, Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb and on the way they On the way, they were asking each other, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Amen. Look, this is where they laid his body. And my subject today is you can't keep a good man down. You can't keep a good man down. Amen. A mother of small children wrote this. She said, my kids are like camels. Camels. They can play all day in the blazing sun and never think of water. But at bedtime, <laughs> all the moms are already laughing. But at bedtime, as soon as their heads hit the pillow, suddenly they, they discover their unquenchable thirst. One evening, my three year old son and I had been through the regular night routine story, prayers, hugs. Then, as my hand slid down the light switch, I want a gink. He couldn't say drink, which I thought was kind of cute. He always said gink. But I was firm. You just had a drink when you brushed your teeth. Now it's time to go to sleep. At last the kids were in bed. Peace, silence. I sat in the best best chair, and I began to sort through the mail. I want a gink, came from the darkness. Gink now was losing some of its cuteness. No water. Go to sleep. Quietness reigned for at least another 60 seconds until I once again heard, Mommy, I want a gink. Be quiet. Mommy, I want a gink. Now I know how Moses felt in the wilderness when a million Jews were all crying, We want a gink. <laughs> Gink was no longer cute in any way. I yelled down the hallway into the darkness. If I hear you ask for a gink one more time, if I hear one more sound from you, I'm going to come down there and spank you. I'm not kidding. Now be quiet and go to sleep. All of a sudden, it was as quiet as a tomb, not a sound. One could have heard a pin drop. It was so silent, I couldn't even concentrate on the mail. Then I heard the still small voice of a child who could smell victory. Mommy, when you come in here to spank me, could you please bring me a gink of water? (laughs) See, because you can't keep a good man down, even if he's only three years old. At the age of 22, he failed in business. At the age of 23, he ran for legislature and was defeated. At the age of 24 he again failed at business At the age of 25 He was elected to the legislature At the age of 26 his sweetheart Died. At the age of 27 he had A nervous breakdown. At age 29 He was defeated for speaker At age 31 he was defeated For elector. At age 34 He was defeated for congress At age 37 he was elected to Congress. At age 39 he was Defeated for congress. At age 46 he was defeated for senate At age 47 he was defeated for vice president. At age 49, he was defeated for Senate. At age 51, he was elected president of the United States. That's the record of Abraham Lincoln. It shows you can't keep a good man down. Norman Vincent Peale, who in the mid-1950s, after being turned down by publisher after publisher, sent dozens of manuscripts to publishing companies and Finally, in dejection, he took that very same manuscript and he threw it into the trash can. This is a true story, by the way. But his wife, Ruth, automatically reached to get it because they had worked so long, they had spent so much time, and so much of their dreams were in that manuscript. But as she bent down to pull it out of the trash can, she went, uh, Norman Vincent Peale said, do not take that manuscript out of the trash can. She said, but we've tried and we've worked said, but we failed. So the next day when he was at the church office, Ruth was not going to disobey her husband. She picked up the trash can. (laughs) Remember, he said, don't take it out of the trash can. She put the trash can in a shipping bag, took it to a publisher, and said, my husband has worked hard on this. This is his manuscript. He looked at the bulky package and said, well, it doesn't look like a manuscript. But then he reached inside, saw a trash can. He pulled the manuscript out, and he decided to publish it. That book, The Power of Positive Thinking, was birthed that day. And since then, it has sold over 5 million copies, and it's been translated into over 40 different languages. You want to know why? You can't keep a good man down. Let me share one more real-life story. This one happened in Acts chapter 2, right after the birth of the Christian church on the day of Pentecost. The Apostle Peter was preaching to the crowd that day, the first sermon of the New Testament church, and it was a message much like the Easter sermon I'm going to preach here today. This is what he said in Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 24. He said, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. I love verse 24. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. Death could not keep him in its grip. From the NIV it says, it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. The Living Bible said, death could not keep this man within its grip because you cannot keep a good man down. (coughs) There were many that were converted that day as a result of the message and there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the people. Peter was quick to remind them that the Jesus that they saw crucified was no longer in the grave. Peter knew that although Jesus died and was buried, he didn't stay that way, thank God. There were many that would have loved to keep Jesus down, but thank God they couldn't, thank God they didn't, and thank God he is alive and well today. Amen. Now, there's three things that I want you to note this morning about Jesus before I let you loose on the petting zoo and the Easter eggs. Number one is this. The doubters couldn't keep Jesus down. The doubters couldn't keep Jesus down. John chapter 1, verse 11 says, He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. Even they rejected him. There were many in the days of Jesus Christ that did not believe that he was the Messiah. There were many that doubted that he was who he claimed to be, the Messiah, God in the flesh. The people in his hometown of Nazareth seemed to be the most skeptical, the ones who had the most difficulty having faith, even though he had performed all these miracles in front of them. The religious community did not accept Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, they were really his most violent opposition. Judas, one of his own disciples, was the one who betrayed him. Even the rest of the disciples, when you look at it closely, though they continued to follow him, it was not until his resurrection that their faith really took hold. There were plenty of doubters, even in Jesus' inner circle, but they could not keep him down. Only after the resurrection did they truly realize who he was. And after it finally dawned on them, this realization began to drastically and beautifully change their lives. You see, one of the beautiful things about Easter is that no matter how many doubts you might have, Easter can bring fresh hope into your heart. Easter can bring a fresh spark of faith that can renew your life. See, that's why many doubters, even on Easter Sunday, say, I've got to accept this God that could not be kept in the ground. There are plenty of doubters in our world today, but I want to encourage you. Don't let that rob you from the truth. And that is that Jesus is the resurrected Christ. Amen. He is God manifest in the flesh. He is the son of the living God. See, we live in a climate, a day and age of a lot of doubts and a lot of fear. People don't trust anyone anymore. They don't trust anything but you can lay your doubts aside when it comes to Jesus because he is exactly who he claimed to be, and he can change your life just like he has changed so many millions of other lives. Now, you can doubt if you want to, but doubting could not keep Jesus in the tomb, and doubting will not make him any less real. See, we believe in all kinds of forces we don't understand or see. Think about it. Gravity, the wind, pain, love. Think about Friday for an example. They closed schools early because of a storm that had not yet manifested itself here. You know why? Because we believed the forecasters that the rain was coming. And sure enough, the rain did come. Some tornadoes came. And everybody that was sitting at home safe felt really good about being at home safe Friday night. We don't have any trouble believing certain things that we can't see, certain things that we can't trust. But I want you to know that the sun is still rising, and Jesus is still alive, and you don't have to doubt it. Jesus is alive and well. The doubters couldn't keep him down. You know what else couldn't keep him down? Death couldn't keep Jesus down. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2, verse 24. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I love that. It was impossible for death to hold Jesus down. In fact, many of the religious rulers were so afraid that the disciples were going to come and steal his body because they, didn't, they were afraid he was going to fulfill his promise, even if it was through deceitful means, that Matthew 27 says that when they came to Pilate with their concerns, Pilate said, go ahead, guys, you can have a guard. You can go and make the grave as secure as you know how. So they went out and they did the best they could. (laughs) Good job, fellas. Nice try. So along with a guard, they set a seal and a stone. I'm so glad. You know, I'm glad that passage was there that says they rolled this giant rock in front and they put this seal on it because there's some doubters today that would still try to say that death held him in the ground and the disciples stole his body. But the seal and the guards show us that the tomb was as secure as the enemies of the Lord could make it. But the truth is, you know what? They could have parked a Mack truck in front of that tomb. They could have parked a train or a cruise ship or an aircraft carrier in front of that tomb. And it would not have allowed death to keep Jesus down. See, the guards had an impossible assignment. Because you can't keep a good man down. The Bible literally tells us that Jesus was not only the Son of God, but He was God-robed in the flesh. God's Spirit was resident inside of Him, and death was no match for its maker. Amen. And because death could not hold Jesus down, you and I, who will all eventually die, we have a hope that death cannot hold us down either. Amen. Because for those of us who have been born again, as the scripture states, death is not the end, it's the beginning. For the Christian, the sentence, when I die, doesn't have a period at the end. (laughs) You don't even have to put a question mark there, as if you're wondering what's going to happen next. You don't put an exclamation point there because it's not a surprise. We know it's appointed, the Bible says, for all men to die. It's a divine appointment that we're all going to keep unless the rapture takes place first. But for a believer, for a Christian, because death cannot keep Jesus down, that statement, when I die, has a comma on the end. Amen? Because you know what a comma means? It's going to continue. It's going to continue. Because Jesus arose from the dead. Look at 1 Thessalonians four sixteen. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And first, look at it. The believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Guess what? If you die in the faith, Jesus says, I got a little special prize for you. You're gonna be the first ones to get to see me in the air. Hallelujah. Ain't no grave gonna hold this body down. Hallelujah. Death has no hold on a child of God, whether it's in this life or the next. I am not afraid to die. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not ready, I don't wanna go right now. I'm really not anxious to go anytime soon, but I'm not afraid of death because I know I'm ready to meet the Lord. And that's why when a Christian leaves this world, there's just not the same kind of mourning like there is when a non-Christian passes because we know we have hope of being resurrected. That's why the Apostle Paul could say, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? He understood that when Jesus arose, Jesus conquered the devil, Jesus took power over death, and he became victorious in life. And because he lives, you and I can live forever. Romans chapter 6, verse 9 says, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Look, death no longer has dominion over him. Amen. Three guys were tried for crimes against humanity. Two guys committed the crimes. One guy didn't. Three guys were given government trials. Two guys had fair trials. One guy didn't. Three guys were whipped and beaten. Two guys had it coming. One guy didn't. Three guys were given crosses to carry. Two guys earned their crosses. One guy didn't. Three guys were mocked and spit at along the way. Two guys cursed and spit back. One guy didn't. Three guys hung on three crosses. Two guys deserved it. One guy didn't. Three guys agonized over their abandonment. Two guys had reason to be abandoned. One guy didn't. Three guys knew that death was coming. Two guys resisted it. One guy didn't. One, two, three guys died on three crosses. Three days later, Two guys remained in their graves. One guy did not Hallelujah. One guy didn't. You see, the doubters couldn't keep him down. Death couldn't keep him down. And then finally, the devil couldn't keep him down. You see, from the moment of Jesus' birth, Satan was trying to get rid of him. You know the story of Herod's attempt to kill all the male babies after the wise men's visit. He was trying to kill the Messiah. You know of the time after the baptism of Jesus when he went into the wilderness and Satan was there to tempt him. The devil came trying to get him to take shortcuts so that he wouldn't fulfill his mission. Every step of the way, the devil did his very best to bring Jesus down. In fact, I believe that when Jesus died on Calvary, the, satans, the, the, the demons were having a party somewhere. They were rejoicing. They thought, we finally did it. It took us a while, but we got it done. I believe the devil's legions were cheering because the Messiah had finally been killed. They thought they had won. <laughs> but then on the third day, Jesus emerged from the pit. And he unlocked the chains of death and eternal darkness. And at that moment, he gave us the hope of eternal life. And before the resurrection, before the resurrection, you could hardly get the disciples stirred up. But after the resurrection, you couldn't shut them up because they finally got it. They finally understood. Before the resurrection, they were full of fear but after the resurrection they were full of courage. Before the resurrection they had questioning minds, but after the resurrection they had a confidence. Before the resurrection they were seeking direction, but after the resurrection they were given direction. Before the resurrection they didn't understand the kingdom on the earth, but after the resurrection they knew what he was talking about. That's because when Jesus rose from the grave, the disciples realized that nothing is impossible because you can't keep a good man down. There's a song that said the devil thought he had him beat when he put Jesus in the tomb. But he quickly came to realize that what the doubters couldn't keep silent, what the grave could not hold, the devil could not defeat. You know what? We give the devil way too much credit. He is no match for our God. And if you're a believer, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. A preacher that I like to listen to named Jeff Arnold, he said this, and I I, I won't take credit for it because he said it. I think it's so good. He said the next time the devil gets on your back and tries to act all big and bad, you need to remind him that he backslid before there was even a devil. He fell when there wasn't even a devil to make him fall. Amen. He's not that bad. He's not that tough. Amen. Greater is he that is in me. I've got resurrection power inside of me. Don't let the doubters destroy you. Amen? They tried it on Jesus, but it failed. You need to prove the doubters and the haters wrong. Live for Christ and do great things with your life. Don't let crucifying your flesh overcome you or death cause you to to stay down. Jesus conquered crucifixion and death. Don't let the devil intimidate you. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You see, here we are on this Easter Sunday. And Easter needs to give us a new attitude about life. You know what Easter says to you and me? No matter what problem you have right now, God is able to fix that problem and meet that need. I just pray that as Christians, Easter never gets old to us. I mentioned this to our team before service started. We really need to just stop and give pause to the fact of what we are actually celebrating here today. Amen. Now listen, if you're looking for a preacher who's going to bash the Easter bunny and jelly beans and Easter eggs, you got the wrong guy. Amen. That's not me. That's not my mission. Have at it. Bring me some peeps and a chocolate bunny if you'd like. Amen. No offense here. But in the midst of all that, don't lose sight of the fact today commemorates the greatest event that a Christian can celebrate. Can I I be so bold as to tell you this is even greater than the birth of Christ? Because had he not died and been resurrected, his birth would have just been any other birth. Thank you, God, for resurrection power. Thank you for Easter. Easter gives hope. I want you to think for a moment this morning, and you don't have to, to say it out loud, but what's the biggest problem you've got in your life right now? Maybe it's a family problem. Maybe it's a physical problem. Maybe it's a spiritual problem. Maybe you've got financial problems here today. I want to tell you, no matter what it is, the good news about Easter is it tells us there is hope and that God is able. Easter also changes our attitude about death itself. When we really understand what Easter means, we begin to look at death from an entirely different perspective. I I love to read stuff that kids say. How many of you like the, the, the things that kids say? Here are some kids' statements about what they said about death. A girl named Gilda, age 8, said this, and I quote. She said, when you die, they put you in a box and bury you in the ground because you don't look too good. <laughs> Stephanie, age 9, said this. Doctors help you so you won't die until you pay their bills. <laughs> Marsha, age 9, said this. When you die, you don't have to do homework in heaven unless your teacher is there too. And Raymond, age 10, said this, A good doctor can help you so you won't die, but bad doctors send you to heaven. (laughs) See, remember the part of the Easter story where Mary came to anoint the body of Jesus? When she saw the stone had been rolled away, she was crushed. She thought that somebody had truly come and stolen the body. Then Jesus approached her. She didn't know who he was, by the way. She, She couldn't recognize him. He saw her grief and her loss. She said, they've taken my master away. She hadn't looked at him real close. But then something happened. Jesus called her by name. He said, Mary. And immediately, read the story, she knew who he was. You know what Easter can be for you and can be for me? A time when God comes into your life and speaks your name. And it changes your life. It beautifully changes your life. And the reason is because everything that God does and everything Christ did at the cross was for the lost to be saved and for the hurting to be healed and for sinners to be forgiven and for Christians to be victorious. Amen. Jesus didn't come so that the world would remain in sin. Jesus did not come so that the world would continue to be suffering with sickness and death. Jesus did not come to guilt us or shame us and allow us to grieve in our own imperfections. See, the entire reason we celebrate Easter, the entire reason Jesus came to die on the cross was so that we could live with him forever, free from sin, free from sickness, free from death, free from guilt or shame. So you might say, well, I've got, I've got too many problems in my life. Well, guess what? Every miracle in the Bible began with a problem. Every miracle in the Bible began with a problem. You cannot find God doing a miracle in your life unless there's first a problem. So guess what? Your problem is a seedbed for the miraculous. Hallelujah. Your problem is an opportunity for our God. So let me ask you a question on this Easter Sunday morning. How many of you have at least one problem? Go ahead and raise your hands. Okay. How many of you are sitting beside that problem? No, don't raise your hands. Do not raise your hands. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I see some boys over on this side. I ain't going to call their names, but they're going to be in big trouble. (laughs) Here's what I want you to know, no matter how big your problem is. Jesus is someone that can forgive you of every sin. He can give you the hope of heaven and eternal life. He can give you a fresh start. Can I just tell you, I don't care how many times you've messed up. I don't care how many times you've done wrong. I don't care how many times you've walked away from God. I don't even care what you did last night. Jesus and Easter, hope springs eternal. Why is it that we make such a big deal about the resurrection? Well, the resurrection of Jesus is the basis for the Christian gospel. We believe and preach that Jesus died for our sins and that he rose again on the third day. This is the basis for our faith and our preaching because in the resurrection, Jesus substituted life and death. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. He said, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Here it is. Christ died for our sins just as the Scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from dead on the third day just as the Scripture says. There it is. That's the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And see, the resurrection of Jesus is the basis of our hope. Because if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, can I just tell you our faith is worthless? The Bible even says that our preaching's in vain. 1 Corinthians 15 12. But tell me this since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. See, if Christ had not been raised, then we have no hope of a future resurrection. But on the other hand, the Bible says that Jesus did rise from the dead. And that because He was raised, we too can look forward to our resurrection. Paul said, if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That's Romans 6, 5. See, a lot of people are scared to die, and I understand why. They long to find hope, and they're placing their hope in things, unfortunately, that will disappoint them if you don't have your hope in Jesus. See, there's promise of real hope in Christ and His resurrection. And the resurrection of Jesus gives us the basis for how we live as believers. See, how should we live if Christ rose from the dead? We ought to live a life that is pleasing to God in all respects. John reminds us that if we have this hope in us, 1 John 3 and 3, we will purify ourselves. See, the hope of the resurrection allows us to live with a heavenly focus. Because if we have an eternal hope, we also should have an eternal perspective. I don't want you to miss that. If we have an eternal hope, you need to develop an eternal perspective about your life. Everything you do, you ought to measure it in terms of how will this affect eternity. What difference will this make in eternity? I want the praise team and the prayer team to come, and you can stand with me if you'd like. I'm concluding. For over 2,000 years, Christians throughout the world have been gathering every Sunday to remember Jesus' resurrection, and we come together to sing and to pray and to hear the gospel of eternal hope preached. We celebrate that He did not stay down. Amen. And many of you are here today, but maybe you've allowed the doubters or the skeptics to shake your faith and cause you to doubt. I don't have time to preach about this right now, but there's an all-out assault on faith and Christianity like I've never seen in my short life. Causing people to doubt everything about God. I just heard a statistic. I don't know if it's accurate or not. I just heard a statistic that they've recently polled, and church attendance in the last 20 20 to 30 years is down 20%, 20% less people now identify as being a member of any Christian faith whatsoever, 20% less. And they talked about their fear is that the Christian faith is dying with the, the millennial generation and then the generation to come. I just found out that the kids that are being born now, generation alpha is what they're calling it. And can I just tell you, we've got to perpetuate this faith to every generation. The doubters want to remove it. Psalm 53 and 1 tells us that only a fool says in their heart that there is no God. Don't let the doubters keep you down. Amen? Death is also keeping some of you down. Not the natural death that that we so often talk about, but the fear of dying to your old life and allowing Christ to reign in your life. Some of us are afraid of dying laying our ambitions and our plans and our desires on the altar. But I want you to know, you cannot put them any place better than at the feet of Jesus and letting Him take control. Don't let dying out, don't let death keep you down. Some of you even allowed the devil to keep you down, to keep you from a personal relationship with God. Let me remind you, the enemy seeks only to destroy you. And he doesn't care if it takes his entire life, your entire life. If it's inch by inch, year by year, if he can just slowly whittle away at your faith, whether it's through people or circumstances or trials, anything he can do. See, because he's been at this for thousands of years. His goal is to destroy you and tear you away from the only eternal hope that we really have. Same thing that tried to keep Jesus down. Doubters, death, the devil. It's trying to keep many of you down today. Today's the day that you can make a decision to begin to change the course of your life and realize that those things are no longer going to keep you down. We need to remember the gift that Jesus gave us. I don't deserve God's unconditional love, yet He freely gave it to me. I can't earn it. But I can live my wife life in a way that honors it and honors that gift. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, and that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Don't miss that. You can't earn it, you can't do enough for it, you can't can't religious your way into it, you can't good deed, deed your way into it. It is the gift of God, no strings attached no strings attached. There are hopes, there's even expectations because He wants us to live life to the fullest. But hear me, He'll accept you right where you are today. You know, when I stop and think on this free gift, it's free to me, but it certainly wasn't free to Him. When you reflect on the expense or the cost that Jesus paid for us, it's overwhelming. And my joy is deep. And there's no sacrifice that compares to the price that Jesus paid for our salvation. His gift to you and I is invaluable. There's no price tag. I want you to take time in this moment just to express your gratitude to God. Not not like a thing on your to-do list, but just a moment to just take the bigger picture in here for just a moment. And it's really overwhelming when you think about it in a good way. But see, gratitude is a very personal way to make the gospel real in your life. The greatest decision I ever made was the day that I gave my life to God. August 1982, I'll never forget it. Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached that first Easter message, you can read about it. He told them exactly what happened, told them exactly what Jesus did. The death, the burial and the resurrection There was a lot of people You read it That were converted that day As a matter of fact The scripture says Over 3,000 were converted Just that day alone But in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2 After hearing this powerful message They asked him They said Men and brethren What shall we do? What do we do now Peter? And Peter responded In Acts chapter 2 verse 38 With these words Peter replied Peter's words pierced their hearts. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins. Look at it. Turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you have received forgiveness for your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent, turn to God, be baptized, receive His Spirit. Folks, it's that simple. He loves you and He wants you to repent and accept Him into your life. He wants you to begin that process, to begin those steps, to begin that walk. There's nothing like it in this world. His gift is a free gift. I don't know how many of you in here are believers, how many of you are not. I don't know how many of you are in whatever place you are in your walk with God. But if you would just indulge me for a moment, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not going to call out anybody. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I want you just right now in this moment, I want you to stop and ponder the gift of what Jesus did for us. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for robing yourself in flesh. Thank you for dying on a cross. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood. Thank you. You could have called legions of angels down. You could have embarrassed and humiliated that whole crowd. You could have vindicated yourself with one word. Yet you suffered shame. You suffered pain. You suffered the reproach of the cross. And you did it for me. You saw this moment right here. And Father, I pray right now for every man, woman, and child in this room, in this building today. God, help us to do introspection of our lives. Help us. To make our calling and election sure Help us God To receive you into our life To repent of our sins To do whatever we need to do to walk with you In victory God help us to quiet the voice Of all the doubters That are trying to pull us away Help us to be willing God To lay aside our own ambitions And be willing to die out to our own will In order to have eternal life Help us, God, to rebuke the enemy at every turn when he tries to snuff out your will and plan for us or for our families. Lord, those things couldn't keep you down. They're not going to keep me down. They're not going to keep us down. We're going to serve you. We're going to walk in victory. Everybody said amen. Right now, before we close, I want to give you a moment to step out from where you are. If you're a believer, I just want to give you a chance to walk out in gratitude. And thank the Lord for what he's done on this Easter Sunday. I want you to step out from where you are and just begin to give him praise and say, God, I appreciate the sacrifice that you made for me. And if you're not a believer, I want you to take that first step. I want you to step out from where you are and I just want you to say thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done for me. I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to begin a brand new walk with you today. Would you come? This altar is open. Won't you come would you come we have a prayer team here they'll pray with you if you'd like if you'd like to be baptized we have two that are being baptized if you want to be baptized you can go to the room to your right the conference room they'll meet you there we'll baptize you today what a beautiful day to be baptized Easter Sunday
1: amen